Hey, welcome to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. My name is Nick Anderson, and I will be doing a podcast series on the Gospel of John. Along with me will be various college students and young adults who have served the Lord faithfully at the Western Kentucky University Baptist Campus Ministry, also known as the WKUBCM. Before we get into today's podcast, I would like to read the reflection of the Winter Growth Challenge. This reflection is written by Luke Osserbrook. Luke is the Tech Ministry Coordinator of the WKUBCM. However, I read these reflections to give credit where credit is due. A summary of this of the version and uh, space for notes can be found at wkubcm.com. And here's what he has to say. One key truth of the chapter is that if Jesus abides in us, the fruit of his character will be produced in our lives. And as a result, we will be in constant pursuit of bearing his fruit. Jesus symbolizes the truth by comparing us to branches. In John chapter 15, 4 through 5, it says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing." End quote. So, in order to abide in Christ, we must walk in the same way in which he walked. First John 2, 6. As seen in verse 5, the only way we abide in him is that if he is in us, and this can only be achieved through salvation. Without accepting his sacrifice, we are spiritually dead. This is shown in verse 6, as Jesus makes clear that without the true vine, the branch is useless and will wither unto death. Since the true vine and branch are connected, the fruit from the branch must, must represent the sap of the vine. Therefore, the fruit produced must resemble Christ's character, which is presented in Galatians 5:22-23, as the fruit of the Spirit. If Jesus is the only true vine, we must make sure we are not drawing our energy from false vines, which can produce false fruits that are not of God. We can identify true fruit by looking to see if the purpose is to ultimately glorify God. John 15, 9-17 talks about a love which is one of the fruits that we produce as a result of the Holy Spirit. In order to abide in Christ, we must love Him. And the way we show Christ's love is through being obedient to Him. Strive to live a life without disobedience to God, the more we love Him and will continue to produce fruits of the Spirit. Loving Christ is also the only way we can truly love others. Because Jesus says in verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The only way we can truly understand and practice sacrificial love is that we understand and accept the love of Jesus through the gospel. And here are some application points. 1. Focus on loving Christ by being obedient to Him and look in your life to see if there are any areas where you should be glorifying God more. Number 2. We are called to love others as Christ has loved us, which 
we can only do through him. Point number three. Look at Galatians 5.22-23 and pray over each fruit of the Spirit and ask Christ to help you produce more fruit in areas where you lack to display them. And with that, into the podcast. Fortunately, Luke was not able to record, so instead we have a special guest. Hey, welcome back to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. Today we're going to be looking at John chapter 15, known as the Vine chapter. I am the true Vine, and so this is one of the well, most well-known chapters in John. Today, I am going to be with John Johanna. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Uh, hi, my name is Tuesday Johanna, but you know, I go by John because it's easier for people to pronounce or whatever. And uh, I'm also, I'm a freshman at Western Kentucky University. Currently majoring in accounting right now. I might change it, but it is what it is. And uh, I'm just an attendee at the BCM who's very involved. And maybe, hopefully in the future, I might take up a leadership position if it's God, God's will. But yeah, that's me. Thank you, John, for being on the podcast today. And so, um, I guess my first question is, as we dive into John chapter 15, whenever you were studying this chapter, what, what did God show you? Well, um... Uh, while studying the chapter, especially the first section, which is, uh, you know, I am the vine, the true vine and the branches, uh, it made me realize that as a fellow believer and as other believers around me, other believers around the world, in Christ, we make up the body, we make up the body of Christ. So uh, studying this chapter, it will lead me to other verses or other parts of the Bible that will support the section. Like, for example, the... Um, it, it will lead me to Galatians 3.28, where it says that we are all one in Christ, and 1 Corinthians 12.12, where uh, Paul would write how we are all one in Christ, but diverse in our works. Yeah, so that's just one thing that God showed me. Yeah, and that kind of moves on to our next question. Why does Jesus call himself the vine and his followers branches? Uh, he calls himself the vine and his branches to explain how without him, we cannot live or do anything without him on our side, without us. I mean, without him, my bad. Uh, if we really look at it, when a branch from a tree breaks off or when a branch comes off of a tree, it no longer lives. It, it, it dies, right? But then if the branch is still attached to the tree, then it's alive. It's still able to grow as the tree continues to grow and get taller. So that's why Jesus used that, uh, that allegory of the vine and branches. Yeah, and... The reason why Jesus uses all of these analogies in the Bible so that we can understand what he's trying to convey across as well. By any church that is apart from Jesus Christ as the head of the church, then they are not bearing like good fruit. It's important to recognize that Jesus is the true vine and that that we draw our sustenance, our basically what we need our nutrients from who Christ is. It reminds me of this, like the Psalms and like just in Psalms 1. Uh, Blessed is the man who's, who does not stand in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers nor blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He was like a tree planted by a stream of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. And you know, just like in the same way that we must, as branches, meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Because if you think of a tree without water, tree is going to wither up and die, pretty much. I think it's important here that Jesus makes this comparison between the vine and the branches because we need to recognize where we are getting our source of life from. Because I think it's also important to recognize that our source of life cannot come from this world. That so often we look at the surroundings and this horizontal plane of existence and try to find satisfaction in that. But in reality, we have to look vertically in order to see where true life is coming from. Following that question, I think it's important to further look into John 15 because it talks about us obeying him and bearing fruit. And so because of that, we must look at verse 8, you know, by this my Father is glorified whenever we abide in him and he abides in us, that you bear much fruit so that to prove to be my disciples and that we must abide in God's love. That's verse 9. I think it's important in verse, and this is just for context, by the way. In verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And here's a very famous verse, you know, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And this is what Jesus had done for us. Jesus loved us so much that he laid down his life for not only his friends, but also for the rest of mankind. Because of this love that Jesus showed us, I, I want us to spend a little bit of time of describing the difference between obedience to earn love and obedience as evidence of God's love. Would you like to expound a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is it's a difficult question. Uh, describing the difference. I mean, I, I definitely think that I take probably the most time on it, trying to figure out myself. Like, I kind of knew, I knew bits and pieces, but like, yeah, so uh, obedience to earn love is obtaining favor or approval for obeying. For example, like if you want to be a famous actor, you must obey and follow the rules and standards needed to be in a movie in order to be called up or whatever process they go in to be put into another movie. That's constant obedience for love. What the Bible teaches is different than that. The Bible teaches that as believers, we obey God because we love him. You know, John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. Because we love him, we will keep his commandment. And just because we love him, we obey his commandment. This proves that we strive to keep, that's that's what it proves. And uh, Ephesians 4, 30, NIV says, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who seals you for the day of redemption. We obey God and we try our best to avoid and refrain from sin so that we don't grieve the Spirit. And why do we not want to grieve the Spirit? Because we love Him, because we love Him and the Spirit. So obedience to earn love, it's you constantly, if we take a look at other religions, they are, they obey, they, uh, they follow all these other commands to get into heaven. But we don't do that. We obey because 
we are already going to heaven. Essentially, the difference. Obedience to earn love is obeying, obeying the commandments, doing these good deeds, whatever, to achieve eternal life or uh, reincarnation and obedience of evidence of love. So it's, it's the same thing as this relationship with your parents. You you will obey your parents because you love them, even even if they even if you know disciplines you like me as a child. I just love on a lot of whipping, but that's because I was hard headed and didn't listen. But because of that discipline, it made me love them more, and I obey, I obey them, and I still did back then, but I I obey them because I love them. Yes, absolutely. And I, I love the part where you added that religion thing. So often, so many religions, world religions out in the world, strive to appease their God. Like Islam, you have to pray like several times a day in order to appease their God, Allah. You have to essentially think about how they like the seven pillars of Islam and other things. And another thing to consider is, like, Buddhism. Buddhism is another religion in the world that, you know, you're trying to appease Buddha. And Buddha has, or Siddhartha Gautama, the founder of Buddhism, was like, I want you to take all my sayings and write them down as proverbs. But people were like, oh yeah, let's put you as a god and stuff. So, instead, I think... And then they have this thing called Nirvana, and they have to do all these list of requirements in order to reach their, more or less, Zen, or Nirvana, Place of Peace, etc. And in these different world religions, I think it's important to recognize that these gods, Allah, Buddha, Hindu, the polytheistic Hinduism, and other religions, you know, did something, but not powerful enough as Jesus, as Jesus has laid down his life for us, so that we might have eternal life with God, and saving us from the eternal wrath and separation from God, and saving us to eternal life and an eternal relationship with him. Yeah, also I want to add on to that, um, like, in the religion of Islam, I, I spoke to my friend about this, he's Muslim, and, uh, like, I was trying to share the gospel with him, but, like, I didn't even know <laughs> the gospel really was, I was just trying to defend my faith for a little bit, but, um, at one point he told me that, like, once you, like, disobey Allah in a way, you, you have to do these good deeds in order for him to, to forgive you, like, the good outweighs the bad in times of judgment, and I was like, hmm, I don't know, so he said, like, <laughs> Reading the Quran is like ten good deeds or something like that. Ten counts of good deeds. So, yeah, and it's important also to realize that people in the world think that people are doing good, but in reality, you know, this is the gospel that everyone has sinned against a thrice holy God, so that our relationship with God is completely broken. There's nothing that we can do in our ability, in our power, to mend that relationship. And because of that, God pitied us, and he sent his only son, so that we might have an opportunity to escape the wrath of God, because we have rebelled against him.
our sin demands justice. And because our God is good, rebelliousness of our sinful nature has to be punished. Sent his only son into the world to save sinners like us. So that we might have, again, eternal relationship with him. And I think it's important also to recognize that this is a gift of God. You know, Ephesians 2 states, as, as by faith, or by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, this is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship, creating in Christ Jesus which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In just those three verses, seven or eight through ten, you see so much of how different Christianity is from other religions. And in verse 16 of chapter 15, turning it back to the text, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Jesus had made himself known to us. I'm gonna focus in on verse 16. We do not choose God, but God chose us. And we have been appointed by God to go and bear much fruit. And so, I was going to ask you a little bit, um, what does it mean to bear this kind of fruit? When I think of it, uh, when I think about fruit, it usually leads me to Galatians 5, 22, 23, about the fruit of the Spirit. But uh, bearing fruits, yeah, like just bearing fruits that are listed in those, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these amazing fruits. I don't even know if I said all of them, but there's nine in total. But um, yeah, when I think of bearing fruit, I think of those nine. So just like bearing fruit. What it means to bear fruit is basically to bear these spiritual fruit that are listed in Galatians 5.22 and just be able to, you know, show love to others, be a true believer, basically a true believer who has been transformed, being able to bear this fruit listed in Galatians 5.22 by Paul and then being able to spread the gospel in love with patience and live with joy, live, just just to live, live, live with these fruits. Definitely. And kind of want to focus a little bit on each of these fruits of the Spirit that, as you said perfectly, you know, just like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you look at the world nowadays, and you see, like, love taught to be very selfish. We're taught from birth, pretty much, by basically all the school systems in America, basically saying, like, do whatever makes you happy, you know, pursue you love. And this is the exact opposite. Joy. How often do we find our satisfaction in relationships, finances, materialism, etc. What the Bible says is, you know, that's the whole entire book of Philippians, you know, especially like Philippians 4-7 and how it says, like, always 
Like, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is admirable, admirable, whatever is pure, think about these things. Against such things there is. Think of anything that is praiseworthy. And just this, these, this kind of thinking, this kind of perspective will bring you joy. Peace. We are being surrounded by anxiety day by day, minute by minute, second by second even. But there's only peace in Christ. Christ brings true peace. Patience. Oh my goodness, patience. Ever heard of it? <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. Kindness and goodness. Those can be merged somewhat together, but they're two separate things. Showing kindness to others is so important. But yet, again, we're taught to be selfish, and that goes back to love, you know. And this is what 1 Corinthians 13 says, like, now these things remain, faith, hope, and love, and but the greatest of these is love. If we are not loving one another, then we cannot show kindness, we cannot show goodness, we can't even show faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. Um, I think, additionally, you know, faithfulness, loyalty. Like, we are surrounded by deception and lies of the media, social media, the news, etc. And it's like, it's hard to remain loyal even to the closest of friends now. Gentleness. How, how often, you know, are, are we called to be arrogant with one another? To be rough and rash and harsh? And here's a final one that we should focus in a lot more on. is self-control. Without self-control, I mean, our life will spiral out of control. Because discipline... Like you were saying with your parents, self-control is so important because if we cannot control ourselves, then we will easily go into a blind rage of what what we will do. And we cannot control ourselves if we are blinded by rage or sin, or just sin in general. But it's important to come back to the text and say that we should bear this kind of fruit that God tells us to do. If we aren't bearing fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, then we aren't doing something right, you know? Yeah. It should be a red flag, not necessarily a check mark saying that, hey, I'm doing these things because that's self-righteousness, but we should take a step back, evaluate our lives, and recognize what fruits we are producing. And God says that if we, and if we abide this, this kind of fruit, then he will bless us by, by, if we ask the Father, then, then he will give it to us. I'm not talking about materialistic things. I'm talking about, like, say if you struggle with self-control, you give it to a lot, impatient, or like patience, you give it to a lot of road rage. <laughs> I think it's important to recognize that if we ask that in the name of the Father, that he will give us comfort for that. Or if we, you know, here's a big one, anxiety. If we struggle with anxiety, you know, come to him and the Father will bring us comfort. Most importantly, let's focus in on verse 12, where it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you. 
if we show love, then everything else should follow suit. Everything else should fall into order. Because if we love God, we can love others. And if we love God, we will find joy in God. And we also yeah. find peace in God. And because of that peace, we have patience with other people. And we can show that kindness and goodness to other people as well. And so what Jesus is calling us to do here is very, very different than the world's perspective on most of these ideas of of making a mark on humanity. Because what humanity does is that they idolize a certain idea, a certain person, a certain ideology, more or less, to elevate that to a point where it's only their ideas. Like, for example, Marxism, you know, communism, and, you know, have a huge following. Scientology, or you have to have good discernment of what to follow. And that's only given by God if we ask for discernment. And that comes through prayer and reading the Bible. There was one more thing that I wanted to add on to here. Uh, the verse that says, verse 6, where it says, If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So I just want to expound on verse 6 a little bit, because I know there's been, like, debates where people use this verse, and then, like, Hebrews 10, 26 verse to, like, kind of explain how people can lose their salvation. Basically, like I use the commentary Bible on this and I just studied this verse a little bit and uh, it, it explains that people, those who don't remain in Christ, they're like, they're not true believers. They were false believers. They were like the, um, like the people of Jesus age. Like, you know, I think, I think it's in the previous chapter, like John 14 or, well, it's in the book of John somewhere where uh, many disciples, they left him because they just didn't believe in what he was saying. Like, you know, I think it's, he's the uh, the bread of life, and uh, where he tells them, you know, eat of me, eat of eat of my flesh, and and drink of me, and you'll live forever. And they, many people they just they just couldn't understand it, so they just left the faith. They just left him. So basically, uh, John fifteen six is about false people, false believers, false conversions, people who don't truly hold the faith, who are not really devout in the faith. They just claim to be Christian. And uh, those are the branches that uh, he throws away and dry up. And then the other, the other branches, the loyal ones, the ones that he prunes so they can bear much fruit, are the loyal, devout Christians. Those who really want to know the Father. Those who really pursue a personal relationship with the Lord and truly rely on Him. I think it's also important to note that do you identify as a Christian or do you live as a Christian? Those two completely separate ideas that we need to differentiate. Identifying as a Christian is essentially someone who checks off all the boxes of like, I went to church, I went to Sunday school, I went to etc, etc, etc. Like you can even say, I went to this conference, I went to this mass gathering, I went to this... You can be a member of a church for about 20 years, actually living out the faith. Are you being a doer of the word or just a hero? As we conclude this episode, you know, is there anything that you would like to add or like share with the listeners to of this podcast? Yeah, uh, 
I just add on to what you were saying about the Holy Spirit and the, you know, he would uh, take from what's from the Father and make known to us and, you know, just teach us and remind us what Christ has taught us. And, uh, you know, you know how in John 15 where Jesus says that, um, I like basically where he says, I've been speaking to you in riddles, but there will be, there will come to a time where I would plainly teach you about the Father and that the, whenever the Holy Spirit comes, he comes and he explains to us, teaches us the Father who he is without using the riddles or syllables. Like when we read the word, you know, when I first started reading the Bible, I didn't understand any of it. And that was before I became saved. But then after I became saved and um, asked the Spirit to live within me, there's just been lots and lots of revelations that come from the Word. And not just, you know, if you are saved, seek the Holy Spirit. If you are saved, pray for the Holy Spirit. Because the, Jesus does says, ask and you shall receive. So just pray for the Holy Spirit in faith and in boldness, and you will receive the Spirit. And if you aren't saved, I just, you know, pray and I uh, just continue to... Uh, just, just, just pray for you that you accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, and just abide in His love and the love that He has for you. Cause just imagine some, somebody just dying for you on a cross that you know you didn't know. Like Isaiah 53 said that we we didn't like Him, we hated Him. Just imagine somebody that you hate, even you didn't know them, that you hate them, they still decided to die for you. Cause like I know right now. Many people that um, many people who hate somebody, the person who's being hated wouldn't die for you. But think of it, Jesus, the person that we hated, we hated him, we despised him, but he died for us, without saying the word, without he died for us, and he led like a a, a lamb led to the slaughter. So I just I just think on that, just come to the Lord and uh, also pray for the Spirit. But I do have an encouragement though. Um, I want to add on to like the the latter part where it says we'll be hated and face persecution. Uh, I just want to say that um you know Jesus causes his friends in John 15 and Proverbs 18:24 says that there's a man that sticks closer than a brother, a friend that sticks closer than a brother actually. So I'm just you know just gonna ask and I just say that if you if you if whenever you get into persecution and hard times. Uh, don't be afraid, discouraged, or even depressed to continue your faith. Just know that the Prince of Peace, who is Jesus, is always on your side, and he's the provider of peace. He's been, he will never leave you, will never depart from you. Uh, many times, once the disciples uh, seen Jesus after, after his resurrection, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, which is in John 14. It might be, yeah, it might be in John 14, but, you uh, yeah, so just go go to Jesus because he's he's the author of peace. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure if Jesus was physically here with us when we we're in these stressful times, that he, I'm pretty convinced that he would give us the same words. Also in uh, Matthew 11:28, uh, he gives us a calling that says, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Why do you think Jesus? gives us this calling. Why do you think Jesus says, come to me for rest and not go to sleep for rest? Just dwell on this thought. And anytime you're in stressful times, just read this word, read Matthew 11, 28, and ask yourself, why? Why did he ask me to come to him? Why not tell me to go to sleep when I need rest? When I need rest from these stressful thoughts? Oftentimes, when we do sleep, 
we we still have the unhealthy thoughts. We still have these stressful thoughts running around when we wake up. Just want to explain that when we sleep, we're only resting our flesh temporarily. But when we go to Jesus in faith, he removes the thoughts and he gives us peace within. He gives us peace in our inner man. He gives us the peace with the spiritual rest and the rest that brings joy and worship towards the Lord. And I just also want to say that there will be a day where we will receive eternal rest and eternal peace physically and spiritually. And that's the day when we receive our spiritual bodies. And I cannot wait for that day. Yeah, but that's it. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And Christ was that person, that someone who laid down his life for us. Thank you so much for listening to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. If you enjoyed, please leave us a rating. If you are interested in podcasting yourself, then I would encourage you to look into Anchor, the podcast software where you can upload, edit, and record your podcast. Another special thanks to the WKUBCM for making this Winter Growth Challenge possible, along with the full-time staff members, Tommy Johnson, the campus minister, Jeannie Atwood, the administrative assistant, Colin and Sarah Wood, International Student Ministers, Brad and Kate Clarity, Campus Minister Associate and Intern, Maya DeHay, Campus Minister Associate, along with other interns, Carmen Gunn, Noah Pike, Jake Fisher, Aaron Fisher, Parbis Ramagalif. A super special thank you to John Johanna for joining us today. Audio and sound engineer Gideon Martin, graphic design art Nick Anderson. And once again, thank you again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have a great day.